Hello everyone, I'm Nate Truex and you're listening to the Crockcast Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Crockcast Podcast. I'm your host Nate and today I'm do- joined by Zane Shapiro of the Dragonwoods Conservancy. Zane, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. How are you doing today? I'm talking to you, so I'm doing good. <laughs> cool. So, you want to hear about what the Dragonwood Conservancy does? Oh, definitely. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to saving threatened, endangered, and critically endangered reptiles. We specifically work with mostly crocodilians, alligators, caiman, crocodiles, but we do work with some turtles and tortoises and iguanas and stuff as well, as well as snakes. It's just not as many as the crocodiles we work with. And uh, what are some of the species of crocodilians uh, you work with? Uh, pretty much all of the... We work with most species. We have many Cuban crocodiles, for example. Outside of Cuba... We have more Cuban crocodiles than anywhere else in the world. We have about 70 adults and 30 babies. And just along with many other species, we have breeding programs for them. And we send eggs back to their home countries to be to have controlled hatch and release. Yeah, I saw, on the, I saw on the right. services Instagram page, you have uh, African and Slenderstock rocks, right? Yeah, we have about a dozen juveniles and we have a couple adults our oldest is actually over a hundred years old his name's pa (laughs) that's that's a pretty old animal yeah (laughs) that's one of the animals that that's one of my favorite animals there it's a very unknown animal not many people get to work with an animal like that and there's only a few hundred left in the wild so it's definitely one of our biggest conservation goals we also have siamese crocodiles mugger crocodiles american crocodiles salties niles black caiman uh all sorts of stuff oh wow sounds like a pretty awesome place yeah <laughs> we, uh, and they all live on very large plots of land outside we have 400 acres in central florida but not confined in cages or anything like that that's always a good thing you know you see so many zoos where they basically have like a crocodile enclosure where it's just like a pool for them to just go in and get out of and that's seems to be about it yeah like so many of the videos we have if you didn't know it was from a conservancy you might think it was in the wild somewhere because it's always like the crocodiles coming out of the bushes or in a natural pond. Like we try to keep it as wild as possible, and yeah. we have plenty of land for that, so it works out. Yeah. So for the more cold sensitive species like the salties, uh, what do you do during the winter time if there's a cold snap? Do you just like turn the well water on, or is there anything else you do? Um. Generally, it doesn't. The water temperature stays around the same. Um, we are able to bring some of them into warmer areas if it gets too cold. But generally, temperature regulation has been fine for those ponds. And 
we are yeah we are able to warm them up if needed to but it hasn't really been an issue all right um so what are some of the uh endangered turtles and tortoises you guys work with uh we well we have the mata mata <laughs> we don't have too many tortoises we have some leopard tortoises um yeah, the main turtle we've been working with is the Mata Mata. It's definitely mostly crocodiles and stuff, though. Okay. So, um, outside of uh, Cubans and African slender snails, what do you say is the other big uh, crocodilian project at the Conservancy? Uh, well, one of our biggest success stories I can talk about is with our broad-nosed caiman. Um, we've worked with them for a very long time and we've sent eggs back to our partners in Argentina and helped raise their wild population by sixfold, bringing them off the endangered list. Yeah. Yeah. The Brasnow came as one of the most successful crocodilian conservation stories that there is. Yeah. Very happy yeah. about that. We have a couple babies that... Actually, just one main baby that we bring to our... We have a few ambassador animals that we take to, like, our outreach event to talk to people about them and try to raise money because we are a nonprofit. And one of them is a broad-nosed caiman, and he's just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for people who don't know what a broad-nosed caiman is, could you uh, describe it? Uh, it's a medium-sized caiman. They're... I would say they get to about five to eight feet long. Eight is a larger end, generally around five, six, seven feet. They have a very wide snout, as the name shows, and that's because they specifically hunt turtles in the wild, and they need it to clamp down on their full shell. And they're not too big, but they do get, most caiman do get bigger than most people think they do. They think they're all really tiny. Broadnose can get decently big, not one of the biggest, but, and as babies, they're a lot more colorful. They definitely dull out more when they become an adult. And they're mostly found in Argentina today. Okay. All, all Cayman species are in South America and Spetsicolda are in some of Central America as well, but... And apparently in some spark pockets in Florida as well. Oh, yeah. The invasive population, though. I always said if there was a crocodilian that could manage to establish invasive populations, it would be spectacles. Yeah. There are some populations of breeding spectacled caiman in Miami-Dade County. They generally live in pretty murky areas that people don't see very often. So even though there's quite a few of them, they're not seen that often but they are out competing the alligators there because even though they don't get as big as alligators they've been like eating their eggs and out competing the babies and it's been causing a bit of a problem hmm. did not expect to hear that yeah so other than uh 
other than brown snouts, I know you mentioned uh, black caimans as well. Are there any other uh, species of caiman that uh, Conservancy works with? Yeah, we have spectacled, we have yakaray, we have we have dwarf caimans. We pretty much we have pretty much all of them except for the recently rediscovered Rio Sahoran caiman. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure not that many people have their hands on those. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. The black caiman, that's another one. Um, that's another thing that people don't generally know about because they can get bigger than an American alligator, but most people think all caiman are like two feet or smaller. <laughs> yeah. They have this uh, Petco image of them. Yeah. And I like to talk about the intelligence of crocodilians because they're very intelligent, but I do have to say black caiman are definitely towards the bottom when it comes to intelligence of crocodilians. <laughs> <laughs> Probably doesn't help that they're uh, in at the same place as the, bun as the largest uh, collections of Cubans outside of Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> Cubans, on the other hand, are very smart, though. Yeah, makes the black caimans look bad by comparison. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you want to go through a, a day in the life of uh, working at the conservancy? Yeah. Um, it's definitely a lot of work. We have hundreds of crocodilians, if you count the total amount of babies and adults, and there's really not that many of us. There's only a few volunteers, including myself. And my boss, who is often not in town because he doesn't live in the state of Florida, and he has another couple conservancies, um, one in Wisconsin, and even an Orinoco and American Crocodile breeding facility in Venezuela. Huh. So definitely a lot of work just because not very many people are there. It's not like a full staff of like 50 people or something. But definitely more fun because you got to do more work with the animals because there's not many people to do it. <laughs> so um, what do you primarily feed the animals? Oh, the animals, they get a variety of different meats and we try to keep it as fresh as possible, but definitely one of the most common things they eat are uh, rats and and pigs, but we try to put a big variety. Sometimes fish, sometimes beef. Right. We never do any live feeding, so. Yeah. So you mentioned you, uh, the conservancy does a bunch of you know public outreach and stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. So, what does that entail with uh, your public outreach events? Oh, uh, we go to a bunch of different events, many of which are not even animal specific. Like recently we went to Megacon 2023. It's an event based on like movies and comics and video games and stuff. But we set up a booth there and it's a very big event. It's generally our biggest event when it comes to fundraising. I think it lasted four days, generally about a hundred thousand people that come through each day 
on during this event. That's how big it is. And that's where we get a lot of our money raising from. So we set up a booth. We put some pictures of the animals up and we bring about like a dozen of our ambassador animals. They're very used to it. And we take rotation so they're not out all day. And we hold the animals. We talk to the people about them and what we do. Um, if they want to pet them, they can pet them. Uh, we do charge a donation if anyone wants to hold one of the animals. Just because we, they don't have to charge a donation for a pet petting as long as they sanitize their hands before petting and in between each one. But we're just trying to get people to see these animals because people don't really care about things that they haven't seen before or some people lose their fear of them if they get to experience them in real life especially some of the really cool animals we bring one of our juvenile west african slender snouts that's not really something you see from any other alligator person so some really cool animals yeah so besides uh we mentioned broad snouts and slender snouts as some of the ambassador animals what are some of your other ambassador animals you use oh we have some baby cuban siamese um trying to remember what we had at our last event oh we had uh um cayman island rock iguana oh nice yeah (laughs) and we had a a peruvian red-tailed boa and a colombian red-tailed boa as and the madagascar ground boa and oh and we had an orinoco as well (laughs) (laughs) so uh uh, i just lost my train of thought Hmm. i'm sorry i'm just getting kind of jealous listening to all the cool stuff you get to work with (laughs) no worries so in your free time, do you do any uh, herping? Oh, yes. I love to herp. Um, I go, I'll try to find any snakes I can find, catch them, talk about them, safely release them. Same thing a frog, toad, salamanders. Also, I don't recommend this to anyone, but I also free dive with alligators and crocodiles in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're obviously in central Florida. Uh, have you gone herping in any other parts of the country or world? Yeah, I've herped pretty much all over Florida. Um, some parts of Texas and California as well when I've gone to visit. And, uh, recently I was in Southern Mexico. So I did a little herping. And also got to find some wild more or less crocodiles. So that was very nice. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and um, I'll be going to Ecuador next month. So hopefully I'll be able to find some stuff too. Yeah. Um, are you going to the Amazonian part of Ecuador or the um, Western Pacific side of Ecuador? I'm going to the Western uh, Pacific but on the southern end, so it's a bunch of wetlands over there, and there are American crocodiles and spectacled caiman that live there, so I'm sure there's some variety of snakes as well. It's kind of hard to look into it, because there's not as much data from some of those countries, so it's really hard to find what's in specific regions. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of data, do you use, like, uh, iNaturalist at all? 
Yeah, I use iNaturalist and I look at different random programs online to try to find where people have seen things or sometimes I just blindly go out and just see if I find something or not. That's just how herping works. So many people expect that you're just going to constantly find like dozens of snakes. Sometimes we have like entire nights where we don't find anything. So, <laughs> yeah, I live in Ohio, so finding dozens of, dozens of snakes at night is kind of off the table for me. <laughs> yeah, even here in Florida, there's like some places, some very specific places I hike, and I found like a dozen snakes on one hike. And then a few weeks later, I come back, I don't find one snake. <laughs> yeah. Now in springtime rounds where where I'm at, certain nights I can guarantee finding hundreds if not thousands of toads, but that's not <laughs> it's probably not yeah. that special. <laughs> no, toads deserve attention too. <laughs> I hate when people pick some animals over others. I see beauty in all of them. So yeah. of course I do have some of my favorites, but I like finding any and everything. I have friends that only want to find snakes or like only want to see alligators like i want to see all of these animals <laughs> yeah so uh what have been some of your favorite places to hurt bad uh definitely just random places off trail and big cypress everglades sometimes some of those farms down near south florida and around lake okeechobee because that's where a lot of snakes like to hang out for some reason on a lot of those farms. And often in South Florida, me and one of my, some of my friends would just go to one of the farms and ask them if we can look around. And they generally always say we can. So <laughs> give them mine next time I'm down there. <laughs> yeah. And also a lot of cool lizards to find during the day in South Florida because of all of the invasive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what were some of your favorite species that you've like found, like, like, you know, looking back, I was like, you think to yourself, oh, that was one heck of a lifer I managed to find. Uh, one of my favorite finds was, uh, was a Brooks king snake, uh, just a subspecies of the Florida king snake. And it was a weird time when we found it too, because it was really cold for some reason and it was really windy and the the moon was out but but we saw it on the trail <laughs> and we caught it it was really cold so it was just trying to get body warmth so it kept trying to go up our sleeve <laughs> so we let we helped it we get we we helped give it some warmth before we let it go but that was like one of my favorite finds honestly and i like finding the eastern diamondback rattlesnakes the pygmies as well um i like finding like any of the water snakes definitely water moccasins are the most common but finding the brown water snakes or the southern water snakes or the mangrove snakes or, or the banded water snakes they're all just as cool there are some cool snakes i really want to find still haven't found yet for example the florida rainbow snake it's specifically up in the panhandle area and it is a water snake. They can be found like as deep as 60 feet underwater in some of the springs. Huh. But they're like, it's like finding a unicorn. There, not many people have found one. 
Well, not many people are re-diving 60 feet looking for a snake, but... Yeah, sometimes they can come up to the surface. They, they come up to the surface. They're just really hard to find as well. Yeah. So, circling back to the conservancy, uh, what would we say is probably some of your favorite species uh, to work with there? Oh, um... Yeah, the hard question's coming up now. <laughs> I love all of them, but I really like the... I really like the West African African slender snouts, and I really like the um, our big saltwater crocodile named Sea Dog. <laughs> he's seventeen and a half feet long. Oh, oh so he's a big boy. <laughs> big boy. Yep. <laughs> uh, so yeah. with uh, West African African slender snouts. Uh, Personality-wise, are they like very shy, or are they kind of more uh, confrontational? I guess definitely more confrontational. They de the adults definitely will come out of the water to come towards you, and even at the outreach events, um, I have to be really careful with our juvenile West African slenders now because honestly, she's starting to get to the size where she we won't have her as an ambassador anymore because it would just be too hard to handle, especially when people want to do holds and are like taking pictures and stuff. Generally, I have to hold her for like 15 minutes before the event starts just to calm her down because she's starting to get more spicy when we take her out of her box for the event. <laughs> yeah. Also, I got to ask, uh, was that viral video that went around a few years ago of all those baby cubic crocodiles chirping? Was that from you guys? Yeah, that was taken by Brad, uh, another person at the Conservancy. And I reposted it and it went viral like a second time. <laughs> and yeah, that was at the Conservancy. <laughs> yeah. I guess it made a lot of people realize that, oh, crocodiles, I guess, can be adorable as well. Yeah. That video definitely had an equal amount of support and backlash. Like, people were, like, like being upset because they thought, like, Brad was going to get his fingers bit off or, or that he took them away from his mother, but they just didn't really know what's happening at the Conservancy. <laughs> yeah. If you work with crocodilians, you know, babies that size, they're not going to take your finger off. <laughs> Barely yeah. punch through the skin. Yeah. I, what I think is funny is how many people are afraid of like lizards and geckos and stuff, but they're but they love cats. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like cats are far more likely to attack you. <laughs> hey man, a big diesel toke gecko could still leave a mark. Oh, I can, but nothing like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so speaking of viral videos, that brings me to some other subject I want to talk about is uh, how do you feel is important uh, for public outreach uh, with a platform that's as large as yours? Uh, I feel like it's important because I'm helping to get more people to know about these animals. A lot of these specific species, some people, a lot of people didn't even know they existed. Um, same thing with like the American alligator, American crocodile. People just list them as the same thing. They don't really know the difference. It's surprising how many people in Florida don't know that we have both alligators and crocodiles. And even more surprising, a lot of people think that American crocodiles are an invasive species. 
Um, <laughs> but their fossils predate the Native Americans, so I don't know how that could be a thing. Um, literally, I had someone tell me once that they were taught in high school. This was a, a long time ago, not what's being taught right now. But they were taught that in high school, like biology class, that American crocodiles are an invasive species. <laughs> Which I just thought was insane because, like, there's no evidence whatsoever that says that. Yeah, I'm... but sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, but yes, yeah, weird. I don't know. I don't know what information you would base that off of. Yeah, and it's definitely good. I like reaching a bunch of new people, but it's definitely a lot. You get to see both the good and the bad people. I get DMs every day saying how they want to turn all of the crocodiles into boots and wallets and stuff like that. And what what I also think is an issue with social media is literally in the past, generally, for example... The people that were doing research out in the field were the same people that worked at museums and zoos and stuff. Nowadays, that's not really what's happening. The person who works at a wildlife museum has no idea how the research works or anything like that. And so a lot of misinformation has been spread and social media and the web has made it even worse because anyone can post anything. Most people I talk to get their information from like a YouTube video that's titled the 10 most dangerous crocodiles in in the world or something like that. Oh, I hate those <laughs> videos so much. <laughs> yeah. I just um, see those videos that just the thumbnail and the title and I just cringe on the inside. <laughs> yeah. It says like the 10 most dangerous crocodiles and it has like a gharial as the, the pick. <laughs> 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 and I just, find it really sad actually because then people argue using that as their evidence and no matter what you say you cannot change their mind like it doesn't matter if you work with crocodiles or anything and i was talking about this on my instagram story uh a couple weeks ago something else i found really sad i came across this marine biologist from he was initially from the philippines i think he studied here in the u.s though Um, And he was posting on a reel about uh, crocodiles. And he was showing a video of an American crocodile. I've seen this video on, I forgot who posted it, but it's from Cuba. Because you can dive of Cuba, not Cuban, you can dive of American crocodiles in Cuba. And I remember this video, and this is the video he was narrating over. And he was talking about saltwater crocodiles as he was showing a video of American crocodiles. But so first of all, I don't, it's sad that that's coming from a marine biologist. I feel like he should have done enough research to post the correct thing. But on top of that, he was just demonizing the animals. He's saying like how they kill so many people every year. And that like, he was just helping spread fear. And this real, and this reel he posted got a lot of attention. It had like a hundred thousand likes. And I sent him a comment just saying that, this is actually an American crocodile in this video. Even though American crocodiles have salt glands and can live in salt water, it's not correct to call them saltwater crocodiles because that's a completely different species that lives in a completely different part of the world. But he 
like didn't believe me that it was an American crocodile and got like really defensive. And I also said, because he was showing a video of American crocodiles. So I said, American crocodiles really don't attack very many people. Of course, they're an apex predator and you should respect their space and not be stupid. But American crocodiles are not really hunting people down like you were saying they were doing. And he got like really, really upset. And I only left two comments. I wasn't like blowing him up or anything. And instead of like correcting things or changing things, like I got a bunch of people that were agreeing with me and liking my comment and he just straight up blocked me. And this was really funny coming from someone who's a marine biologist. Like you should, it's okay not to know something, but you shouldn't be posting about it unless you've done your proper research and you should be acceptable to corrections if they need to be corrected. Yeah, the thing is, an American crocodile, you could tell that apart from a salty pretty easily if you know what to, if you know what you're talking about. Yeah. And although they can be dangerous, just like any crocodilian, they are not actively hunting people. They primarily eat fish. That's another thing he said. He said they that they primarily hunt large land animals. I'm like, American crocodiles are fish specific hunters. Yeah, sometimes they do hunt large animals, but that's not kind of what they've been evolved to do like that's actually why one of the reasons why they're probably more docile because even though they're such a large crocodile they're not used to hunting large prey yeah and i mean uh even some of the more predominantly large game hunting species like niles fish still make up the large portion um the large portion of their diet mm-hmm and that is another reason why Niles have resulted in more attacks because they've been conditioned to generally hunt large animals that are drinking at the edge of the water. Although American crocodiles are 100% capable of taking down a large animal, that's just generally not what they've been conditioned to hunt, except for people that get too comfortable with them, start feeding them, they lose their fear of people, they get too close, someone gets too close in the water, bam, there's an attack. Yeah, yeah. I've always said it, that in the United States, we're lucky that the only crocodilian we have in large numbers and in large range is the American alligator. Otherwise, I've seen how people act around alligators. So that was around, like, say, a Nile or a Salty. There'd be a lot less people in the South. Yeah, definitely. And people also really underestimate American alligators. Yes, they're not like Niles or Salties. But there are individuals that think they are salties. <laughs> That's true. And and they are just as capable of taking down a large animal, especially a large alligator. And if there definitely would be more alligator attacks if people were commonly swimming in our wetlands and washing their clothes in the water like people have to do in some third world countries. Definitely not as many as Nile or Salty. But the number would definitely be higher if people were commonly in the water like that. Yeah. So, uh, you want to talk about being like uh, crockwise and crock country, I guess? Yeah. Um, it's just really sad whenever there's an attack here. Most attacks are actually not just here, attacks in general, because I have some Australia stuff to talk about soon. <laughs> um, they're almost all avoidable. Like, they at least 
12 feet, four meters away from the water. Don't feed the animals. When you feed crocodiles, you condition them to lose their fear of people. Generally, they run away at sight. If you like, see an alligator basking on the shore and you run towards it, generally it's just going to run away like into the water. But when you feed them, you're, you're gonna, you just condition them to come towards you instead because they associate you with having food. And then eventually that can turn into associating you as food, especially when people get too comfortable and turn their back on them. And eye contact is key. They're ambush predators. They're far less likely to attack if you have eye contact with them or at least your eyes on them. Another dumb thing is just people with their dogs. They let them walk by the edge of the water or their kids, same thing. And then they're surprised when there's an attack. Most attacks happen at the edge of the water or splashing around at the surface of the water. That's generally where crocodilians attack most of their prey. And it's just so easily avoidable. Alligators are not coming out of the water and breaking into people's homes and dragging them out of their beds. Like, that's not what's happening. And they don't even have the energy to run a very long distance. So this is why I say at least 12 feet away from the water unless you're someone who's doing research with them or something like that, because then all of those attacks could be avoided and you could save the alligators lives as well, because they will be punished for being what they were designed to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was talking and, about... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, same thing. Like, Oh God, now I'm forgetting what I was going to say. <laughs> um, Oh, um, they don't just, Generally, a lot of them, same thing with sharks. They will hunt down as many of them as they can until they find the one that did it. So it's a lot more than just hunting one alligator sometimes as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with uh, uh, Brandon Sidlow, the World Croc Attack Database. Um, and he was talking about, again, with alligators, people walking their dog next to the, uh, a body of water that has an alligator in it. And they mentioned how dogs are almost like a magnet to alligators because they're like the perfect prey for them almost just the right size pretty much defenseless in the water and hey they make a lot of noise and a lot of commotion whenever they're around so they just draw everything into them exactly um yeah exactly uh people are often so surprised because i saw this viral video i'm glad the man saved his dog it was a text like a really small alligator it was a cavalier king charles spaniel i bet they were walking it by the edge of the water and he like got in the water and like Cried the alligator off of it um and then everyone and then he took it out and the, the dog was okay thankfully but um the alligator was very small like he was able to pick it up with one hand that's how small it was um yeah. and it still messed up his hands when he cried it off but everyone was praising him in the comments and saying how such a great person he was i'm like they shouldn't have been walking their dog by the edge of the water and on top of that he's lucky it was not a bigger alligator it could have just taking his dog off in one swoop or it could have switched to him yeah and you can't pry an alligator's mouth open that's that big as well so <laughs> <laughs> yeah bigger they get the harder they bite yeah and same thing i saw this i don't think this show is, exists anymore it used to be on animal planet it was called like I'm trying to remember what it's called. It was just, it was like 
I survived and there was like a bunch of different people that survived like being attacked by different wild animals. I think and, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was like this American alligator episode and there's this lady. I forgot where it was in Florida. It was one of our rivers though. And people commonly kayak down it and stuff. Generally alligators don't mess with kayaks. Like that generally doesn't happen. Um, but she decided to take a swim down the river, like very far down the river. And I still remember exactly what she said. She felt something like grab her, it grabbed her leg and she wasn't sure at first what it was, but then she felt like an extreme pain and a lot of pressure. And she like looked over her shoulder and saw like a very large alligator just holding onto her leg. And the thing, the only thing she had, what she said in the show was, I couldn't believe it. It was an alligator. I'm like, they were showing videos of the river. It was definitely a murky river with like marsh on both sides in Florida. It's like, and I couldn't believe it. There's fish in the water. <laughs> I'm like, alligators live in like tiny ponds here, let alone you were surprised you were attacked, splashing on the surface in a river. Like, I can't believe that. And some kayakers saw her and came over to help and they started like hitting the alligator in the head of the paddle and all that did was make it tighten its grit. She ended up surviving, but she did lose her leg and they had to hunt down the alligator. I think they had to kill other alligators as well because they had to cut them open to find which one had part of her leg in it. And that could have, she could have kept her limb and those alligators would have been alive if she just decided not to do that. Yeah. When I dive with alligators, it's a lot different than people think it is. First of all, you want to be underwater as much as possible. You don't want to be making noise at the surface or splashing around at the edge. You want to get in and under as much as as fast as possible. You want to be as quiet as possible. You also check your surroundings 24-7 above you, to both of your sides, behind you, because they're ambush predators. They do know when you're looking at them and they're a hundred times less likely to do something when you're looking at them. The second you turn your head, they're going to inch forward. And even when you're looking at one, you have to still check your surroundings just in case there's another alligator. But generally they will not mess with you if you're underwater and you're calm and you're checking your surroundings. This doesn't mean something can't happen and you still have to be, extremely cautious and know what you're doing you pretty much take a breath you go down you you stay under as long as possible you don't want to be making noise at the surface and the reason why they're more likely to attack you at the surface is like when an alligator sticks its part of its head above the water and it's like looking scanning for prey it will see like the back of your head sticking out of the water when you're at the surface and it will think it's like a small turtle or something at the surface so it it doesn't see you as a human, and it's coming to get the human. It thinks it's like a tur- you're like a turtle or something. Yeah. When you're underwater, they just don't see you as the same thing unless they're being territorial. So you just keep your distance. Yeah, that reminds me of that. Uh, this wasn't with alligators. This was not a crocodile. You probably seen this video that one guy that went into the Okavango and went uh, scuba diving up close to the big male Nile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
uh, Gator Boys Chris, he's gone dive diving up the Niles as well. Yeah, but then that uh, old bull Nile then like chased them off by the looks of it almost. Mm-hmm. You just have to be careful and you have to look at their signs. Like, alligator isn't just going to sit there and, like, there are signs that it's about to lunge at you or it doesn't want you to be anywhere close to it. From hissing to rising up, you can tell when an alligator is relaxed. There's this one alligator. I do not give exact locations. Um, I have friends that know. And I will take them out, but just poachers. Poachers like to hear locations, so I don't give locations. Yeah. Um, there's this one alligator. I've dived with him many, many times because he's always in the same spot. And he's an 11-footer. He's a very calm alligator. Um, he just chills at the bottom. He shows no signs of aggression. Um, sometimes he just turns around to get a better look, but he's very chill. Meanwhile, there's sometimes like six-foot alligators that if you aren't paying well enough attention, they're going to try to ambush you from the side. <laughs> but I do not recommend this to anyone. It's no, no matter what anyone thinks, it's not at all safe. It never will be safe. Yeah. So you mentioned, you say you mentioned you're going to talk about something with Australia. You want to get into that? Oh yeah. It's honestly like the same concepts as what happens here in Florida. Um, people will go, I see this all the time. People go swimming in a belly bong and then they're surprised that a saltwater crocodile latched onto their head. <laughs> like there was this guy who went swimming in like a lagoon and he got like bit in the head by a saltwater crocodile. He survived. He had, he has like a weird shaped head now and he had to get a lot of stitches, but he was like surprised he was attacked by a saltwater crocodile. Meanwhile, he was swimming in a mar like a brackish water lagoon in northern Australia. Like, I just think the stupidity is just insane. You should, and then the, I'm pretty sure they killed that saltwater crocodile as well. I don't think the animal should be punished for our stupidity. You take a risk, you accept the risk. There shouldn't be punishment. We already kill way more of those animals than they kill of us anyway. Yeah. Yeah, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Another thing Australia does, they like wipe out a population of crocodiles in a specific area, and then they tell people they can swim there because it's safe. You, and then there's going to be another crocodile attack in the area that is supposed to be safe. You can never confirm that the water is going to be safe. It doesn't matter how many crocodiles you kill, and it's pointless because the crocodiles are so beneficial and important to this planet. There's no reason you should be swimming in that water anyway. There's better places to swim. <laughs> yeah. There's so, so many uh, attacks like that where people are... Even local guides have, like, taken people to, like, remote parts and, like, national parks in Australia, and they tell them this specific area is safe, and then there's a salty attack. Yeah, the thing about salties is they're so territorial, they'll take any free space that opens up. Yeah, and they're even worse. Like, salties have been, salties and niles have been known to attack kayaks and paddle boards and stuff. Even though alligators are capable of it, they really haven't. There's been a couple cases, but not 
they haven't been known to flip a kayak or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so are there any uh, projects that the Conservancy is thinking about doing in the future that you're free to talk about? Uh, currently, we're just working on what we have, trying to breed the animals we currently have. We definitely faced a pretty big financial hit during COVID, and we're still trying to recover from that. Because any trip we do, if we go to another country to work with the people there or um, doing other events and stuff, it all costs money. And we generally get it all from donations. And we lost some of our biggest sponsors during COVID as well. So currently, we're just trying to recover financially. Thankfully, we made quite a bit of money at Megacon, so that can definitely help us. But we will still need a bit more of recovering before we can think about any new projects. So right now we're just focusing on what we have. Gotcha. And uh, do you keep any animals of your own? Uh, I want to keep some more. Right now, I'm in between places. I'm currently at my girlfriend's. I'm moving into my new apartment next month. But I do have a chameleon and I have a turtle. Nice. <laughs> um, I don't really have space for too many animals, and yeah. I get to work with many of them outside anyway, so might as well. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else? Do you, you have any about? pets? Uh, you, uh, can you say that again? Do you have any pets? I have a few, yeah. Uh, probably about 14, 15 snakes and a juvenile rhino iguana. Oh, awesome. So, uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, I guess I can say we have been trying to work with the Samistama, also known as like the false gharial. We do not have any actual gharials because there's already enough people who are in India and even in the U.S. who are doing work with them. There's not many people doing work with the Tamisimas, so we're definitely we're starting to work more with them. Uh, we don't really post many videos of them because they're a bit more... still need work done with them. <laughs> uh, but they're definitely a really cool animal, and they're definitely one of the smartest crocodilians I have gotten to experience a lot of people, even people that work with crocodilians, let's say this isn't even possible, but um, we have witnessed play behavior with Tamisimus. Uh, can you describe this uh, play behavior? Uh, we've tried giving them various toys and stuff for enrichment, and they've like hit balls around like to each other back and forth. And like, just like squeezed on things, just for just like with their mouth, just like a dog would, um, just because they didn't try to eat it. Like just a lot of stuff like that, and I thought it was very interesting. Not stuff you see very often, and I'm wondering why they would do that. Because although they're very smart animals, I don't see what in the why in the wild they would be doing that. Yeah, that is weird. 
So, uh, where can people find you and the Conservancy online? Uh, well, the Dragonwood has their own Instagram, just at the Dragonwood Conservancy. Then I post content I do outside of, of the Dragonwood and within, just at Zane underscore Shapiro. Um, that's, and Dragonwood's also on Facebook, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I post to Instagram and Facebook. But um, we, whenever we do an outreach event, we post ahead of time where we're going to be so people can, people that follow us can show up if they want to. And during specific times of the year, we do do private tours of the facility. Um, we can't, it's not just anyone who can come. Generally, we don't allow people into the facility in general because there's not many of us. Sometimes the grounds in the facility are filled with water or just aren't stable to walk on. So you have to wait until it's drier and when we have time. But when we do do tours, the tours are free. Um, just small private tours. We don't charge for it. We do ask at the end if anyone wants to donate, they can. But no one has to pay to go on a tour. And if anyone ever wants to go on a tour, you can just send me a message on Instagram and we can try to work that out in the future. Well, I definitely would like to try that out next time I'm down there. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Have a good one.